We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike. And Lakers start their final 10 games of the season in the 11th spot. Um, got a game against the Phoenix Suns tonight, Mike. And they're a team with everything that's been going on with the Lakers. We haven't talked about all of the craziness around the NBA as much as I would have liked to, but they're a team to me that sort of represents the uh, the curse that has befallen the Lakers franchise since AD went down in game four of that series. They smoked us three straight games, and I think they beat us two or three times the next preseason, then all four times in the regular season. I think they got about a 12-game winning streak against us, Mike, but tonight they're without Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton. They're a very different new look team really since that trade. I'd love to hear before we get into the game tonight, Mike, just your thoughts on Phoenix post Kevin Durant trade. Well, they made that trade in, in much in the way that like when the Lakers went to the three star thing, it's it just inevitably is going to weaken um, what the rest of that supporting cast is like. But it doesn't necessarily matter um, if all those if all three of those guys fit great together and are on the court. And I think there's the potential for that. And certainly with Booker and Durant, um, just as your top two. And then at this point, you can argue with how much Chris Paul has slowed down um, that DeAndre Ayton could sort of emerge as that as that number three. And then with Chris Paul as kind of like the, the puppet master in some ways. But this is this this is just who the Suns are having to play right now next to Paul and Booker, because Aiden's out, as you mentioned, and Durant's out. So Josh Okoge, who's actually been much better than people probably realize, a really good defensive player. He's actually been hitting shots. Uh, Torrey Craig, Bismack Biabo, um, That's Those are the other three who started in their loss against OKC on Sunday. And then it's like it's Ish Wainwright and Jock Landale and Campaign, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, all, you know, all decent players, right? But no, nobody necessarily that's that you're sticking at the top of the scouting report and saying you have to look at doing X to contain this guy, or you could be in for a long night. So this to me is the type of game, Pete, as I not to dig too deep into the scouting report weeds uh, right off the top, but Devin Booker is the, is the five alarm fire. Like Devin Booker is the guy focus all the attention on trap. Like he took 28 shots against OKC. He made 18 of them. Nobody else took more than 15, which was Chris Paul. He made five of them. And they just don't have a lot of other creation, which includes Chris Paul at this point. Chris Paul used to be able to kill you. Mm -hmm. 
if if just by himself in in a scoring and or assist standpoint, and, and he's not at that point right now. So I think that for this specific game, this is a a weaker Suns team than than some might expect, uh, and a vulnerable team, and a team that the Lakers you know should be thinking about pouncing on. And I'm looking at like, I'm specifically looking at Booker and how do they just how do they throw all types types of resources at him? And if if those other guys want to combine to you know hit a bunch of shots, you know, fine. But I, I don't see that as being um, as possible as it would have been if they just had like one more guy in there. Yeah, they played uh, OKC, I believe it was recently, and OKC came back in a home game with a great defensive effort in the fourth quarter. And I think that that's something that Phoenix is especially uh, vulnerable to with this group is just like turn up the heat defensively. And so what we do with AD, how uh, much we concede mid-range against them, I think is uh, one of those things that against the vast majority of teams in the league, I think are base scheme really works but against them i don't want uh booker or cp3 even at this point stepping into open 15 16 footers you know uh so how much pressure we put on on them is i think really important in this game do you think we should be favored in tonight's game mike yes i do too and then we've and then we've got okc after who's been playing great ball they're on a great wave right i was watching uh, a game the other day of they the won post. eight or ten games yeah yeah and in in the post game they're interviewing Shay but Shay's got like three of his teammates around him and they all got their arms around each other it's one of those things they got a good thing going and they're very present and in the moment and they defend well and have a go to guy so that said though Mike like going into this final ten games you know a lot of winnable games for us especially on a night like this where I do agree that we're favored and so. This is a big game, Mike, like the standings implications, like we were talking about yesterday. A lot of teams are starting to turn up into that like playoff intensity and we got to be able to match that. Yeah, man, there, it's just a things have gone from right out of the all-star break. The Lakers won a couple of games to put them in position where you could look at the schedule for everybody else. And we did all this and kind of game it out. And well, if they do this and if they just take care of business, then then watch this. And I think that there were a couple things going for the Lakers that like they had the renewed spirit that they had because of the moves that they made, I think gave them a jump on some other teams, but Mm -hmm. some, there are other teams now, OKC among them that where the finish line is close enough that they have sort of redoubled and refocused all of their efforts. And so some of what the projections that you might've made have not come true. Um, And, and that includes what OKC's done by winning eight of 10. Uh, And by the way, the Lakers just beat them. Remember when nobody played um, with AD didn't play in the back-to-back and kind of Dennis shooter and Reeves and everybody, find a way to get it done. So they let's, let's put them on the shelf for a second. Cause I still think that Phoenix is an interesting team to look at here. So Phoenix is in the, in the four seed. They're a half game up right now. Unless let's see if I, if that didn't refresh from the Clippers loss last night, because the Clippers, yeah, the Clippers couldn't beat the thunder at home. So, okay. Now, yeah, now they're a full game up. They're a full game up on the Clippers. They're probably too far ahead of the teams like, you know, golden state and OKC and even Dallas, who would have been in a different spot if the Lakers had won that game, uh, but to fall outside of the four-five, and it's looking a little bit more like that would be, you know, Phoenix Clippers uh, in that type mm-hmm. of a series. And we have yet to get an update, at least nationally, on Paul George. That looked bad. Um, what happened to his to his knee? And you know, hope that he's okay. Certainly, he's gone through enough injury problems, but. You know, that that four or five, like it's it's I don't see one of these other teams jumping ahead of that. And so where are the Lakers? Oh, wait, they're in 11th. Now, 
you like we we've expected Utah to drop, and they've even tried to drop a couple games, Pete. Like they've sat marking in because of back soreness. Clarkson uh-huh. still isn't coming back. Sexton's not coming back, and then they just won two home games anyway, kind of defiantly, right? With uh, mm-hmm. with Akbaji and all kinds of guys just he's finding good. ways. I like to him. Contribute. He is good. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's a lottery pick, right? That won mm-hmm. a, a natty last year in Kansas. I mean, so it's just the I guess the the point that I'm trying to get to is that like things are more immediately dire than they needed to be for the Lakers. Uh-huh. And yet, and yet they still absolutely can rip off seven wins in 10 games and control their own fate to the extent to even get up to like the seven, eight, but will they, you know, it's, there's gotta be a part of that confidence that has waned because of the way that they've handled a couple of these games. And because I just don't think with all of the new personnel and with some of the personalities in the team, um, I don't know that you can guarantee you know, that they're going to play the way that they need, quote unquote, need to play. And so therefore, here we are, Lakers against Suns. Suns are battered, right? They're uh, two of their best three players right now probably are not going to play. They gave away a lot of their depth to make the type of deal that they had. And if, if Kevin Durant plays, by the way, I don't care who else is playing. That's how that's how good he is, where you're just worried about that game. Booker is getting there. Booker's getting there. He's kind of like in the... Um, I'd say even an even better version of what Kyrie came in to do against where Dallas had that one shot maker, like the one guy who could just Mm -hmm. keep them alive and then get into a tight game and potentially finish it without a ton of help. And I think that's now where Booker is, except that he at least has the Suns infrastructure that Chris Paul still can run and he can still get guys in the right spots. They can still, he can still make sure that Booker's getting the ball um, in spots where he can score from. So it's it's not that they are they're absolutely a big threat in this game, Pete. It's just like that if the Lakers are are able to recognize the circumstances of how important the game is to them versus what it is to the Suns, then it should be one of those energy type games that I I got raised on Laker wise. Basically, mm-hmm. whenever the Lakers would go down in a playoff series, um in 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 the 0809 season or then 910, and they were coming back home and it was just like the building was not going to let them lose. That that included game seven of the finals. You know, it's just that is basically I know you can't quite create that or recreate it in terms of a playoff game for this one tonight. But it really is the type of energy that they should have that they should be putting forth in this game. A, a big part of that personality, though, is the type of physicality that you play with in those types of games. And that's a place I'm concerned tonight, Mike, is the boxing out the Akogi, who, like you said, has been really good. Ish Wainwright has been solid for them, as has Craig been. These are all uh, physical players at the 3-4 type of spots that a lot of the ways that basketball will work is that's going to be a D'Angelo Russell or a Malik Beasley having to box those guys out occasionally. And that's the type of thing that in that 0809, that's Derek Fisher, right? A, a bigger physical type of guards. And so that's one of the stories I see tonight. And really with the yeah. Suns going forward this season, Mike, is they basically traded their two best three and D guys in Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, especially in Bridges case, one of the better guys in that respect. And he's more than just a three and D guy at this point. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's very good at that. I suppose is my point, right? Is that he's one of the best at doing that in the league along with Johnson, who's a six ten shooter who also defends. And I think that part of what underlies that is at that point, you depend on that a Kogi Craig Wainwright become essential to what you do. Whereas before they were kind of depth to those guys and 
that's really how I can see them beating us tonight is through the activity and physicality of Akogi, Wainwright, and Craig. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that trio because I think that they are particularly dangerous for our guards in our group. You know what? You know it's funny, Pete. Like as you were saying that, it's not those specific players or the Laker guards that I'm thinking of. It's it's like Wenyan Gabriel. You know, ah, it's uh-huh. it's how we fight of, that back. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, if, if you're giving up some advantages and some athleticism and some size or just some strength, really, uh, some strength in the way that like that sort of, oh, hey, go box out Josh Hart. And, and then he just pushes you out of the way. That's you know? going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why didn't they, why didn't they, why didn't they box him out? It, 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 announcers always <laughs> yes. say that. Like, it's yeah, yeah. not it's not just about that. I can go put throw a ball up. Coach Pete is coaching. It's uh, me and Josh Hart. OK, I can put my box butt. him out, Mike. <laughs> I can put my butt in him. He's just going to move me aside without following me. Right. And then go get the ball. You know, so sometimes it, sometimes you sure you te- there's a there's a there's a dissonance between sort of the athleticism and technique sometimes um, that mm-hmm. comes out and hunger and all that. But so it, let's just say that the Lakers come out and some of their starters and it's particularly the backcourt that that are a little bit softer in that way and a little bit more skilled in that way. Mm-hmm. And they're getting bullied a little bit. OK. Put, sub in Wenyan Gabriel and scale down. Troy Brown, you're at the two now. Austin Reeves, come in. You can you can play the one. You know, AD and Wenyan, you're sort of at the four or five together, and then or you keep Vanderbilt in. Like there there are answers that don't necessarily have it, it, like in a game like this in, when it's when it's got to be sure. without totally wrecking the rotation. And so I do. I want you to speak more specifically though to to that and to the guards, I I was just, that's my counter. It's kind of like, all right, well, just give me more of the guys that I know are going to give it to me. So I think you're spot on with that, which is why starting both the first and third quarters, I feel like we put ourselves in a deficit in that respect. Also, when you look around the league, like what we're doing and what we've done for most of the year is very unusual in that usually your starting lineup is your biggest lineup around the league. Even if you are more geared toward playing small later in the game, it's, Usually your big guys will start the game and under our current uh, form with LeBron out and inserting Troy Brown, who's much more of that forward guard three, two type of guy, whereas LeBron's a legit four at, at this point, like that puts everybody, the entire lineup, that five man grouping. When you brought up Wendy and I was like, that's a great counterpoint in that it speaks to the point that you need more size elsewhere if you're going to have that deficiency in the backcourt, right? And so guys like D'Lo and Beasley in particular, and even Brown isn't like super physical. He can help you on the boards a bit, but guys like that being that way, that's okay. That's part of the, we love the skill that is brought with those types of players. I do think though that 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 makes guys like Wenyan, makes guys like uh, Vanderbilt in the right spots more essential. And just like sizing up at the other three spots becomes super important. And like Vando at the three, we haven't seen very much uh, since LeBron's been out. So yeah, just that idea of sizing up in the front court to make up for that. I think you're spot on with that, Mike. Yeah. And also, so there's also the way that the game could go early and maybe they find a way to have it go more like New Orleans, not specifically hitting all of their threes and AD coming out completely blazing but you know maybe maybe there's a game that tilts back in the favor of Beasley and Russell in the backcourt from a scoring standpoint or from a shot creation standpoint and Mm -hmm. then you can live with a couple of the battles lost on the other end so I the playing better and the the playing with urgency and immediacy immediacy all of that kind of stuff I think is needs to happen but it doesn't have to just show itself through raw effort it it could show itself through a little bit better focus um, than maybe was there the last couple games but Mm -hmm. You know, as I say that, Pete, you 
we literally said the same thing going into that Dallas game. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just now that it gets as you get a little bit closer and a little bit closer, and you know, maybe maybe Darvin Ham actually just puts the standings up in the locker room this time and just kind of hey guys, here's where you are in the 11 seed pregame speech yeah. over. You know, man, that's been something I, I've mentioned this before, but it's like we all woke up and my like my internal clock has been we got to catch the flight, we got a flight, you know, flying out of town, and it's like. We're dawdling around the house, y'all. We gotta, we gotta get our act together, get things packed, get on the road. You know, like it's been coming up for a minute now, and I've been, I've been waiting for that. Like, and it's it's weird, Mike, because you're right when you say that we've played with a certain energy since the trade deadline. That that's also true, but the focus is the thing that really stands out to me from the rewatches and even from watching live. Is that I don't know, like those two things can be true at the same time, and that idea that yo we got to go like in looking at the standings, six and four probably puts us in the nine ten game. Seven and three probably puts us in the seven eight play in game. And if we for some miracle go eight and two, I actually think we have a shot at six due to our tiebreaker with Golden State. And when you look at our schedule, it's not like when I like when I asked, should we be favored in this game? I think you could say that about the vast majority of our last 10 games, all the way up, up to like seven or eight of them. And so that doesn't mean we are going to win those games, right? But like it's there, Mike. Like we've been saying, that opportunity is there, but it re- is going to require a level of consistent focus that I think explains why we ra- we rarely blow teams out, why we've rarely been able to go on any winning streak, even relative to other uh, five hundred level teams. Is that we just have a hard time like consistently locking in play after play, but it's now or never on that front. So let's take a break. Come back. Uh, keep it up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so I sent you and Darius a little document yesterday, uh, and really, it's been more you and Darius that have been do- sending documents. So I'm like, all right, I, look, I got to get my laptop. You got to have a list, yeah, yeah. You know, got to get a couple <laughs> lists together. And yeah. the way the way that you send them to, I'm like, man, these are so nicely uh, contained. Like, how are you doing the screenshots? Are you are you cropping it on your phone? And it'll be like uh-huh. a. Just give, give the people an example of what I'm talking about. So I've always made lists my whole life. My dad like was always very amused at this when I was a kid. Um, and so it just has to look a certain way. Sometimes it'll be color coded in a certain way. But I'm not the most organized person in the physical world. But mentally, I really like pattern recognition and lists and just putting things next together next to each other in a nice way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cropping it, making it look good by the time I send it to you. I want you to digest right. it easily yeah, exactly. you know and, and it looks yeah. it really does look nice and it's easy to digest and, and it helps me do my job so i appreciate it 
So I, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out one of my passion projects is always in, I brought this up in the, in the pod and you guys had a pretty good counter for it, but basically what are the games missed for a team's two best players? And, and how is that impacting everything? And as you were talking about the Lakers at sometimes like lack of that, that killer focus or, or just being able to really put it all together and go through. I mean, sure. to me, the the immediate answer that doesn't do the Lakers much good for tonight's game or really for the next little while is that LeBron and AD um, have played so few games together and, mm-hmm. and, and LeBron and AD won a title together in 2020. And so this now goes to my next point that the, the best way to encourage, to encourage the, that type of night to night discipline for a, a team that's led by two vets that have already won and have already accomplished a ton is to bring in some real zest, some real energy, either in the form of a thir- a, another star yep. or a guy that hasn't won. Or honestly, I think the idea of it, like the Pat Beverly, that the idea of that I liked, right? Somebody that's just going sure. to, st- doesn't care who's there, is going to talk shit to everybody all day, that's going to sort of demand things. But then you realize mm-hmm. when it's LeBron specifically, that you just can't, there's nobody that can come in the room and sort of take that love in, 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 in a somewhat of a similar way with Kobe, but unless it's basketball too, unless it's like on the basketball court, this is the yeah. way that, that that person is going to play and it's going to raise the collective energy and effort level. And so here, before you, before you jump in the games missed in terms of the Western conference, LeBron and AD have missed 53 games together. That is second only to the Pelicans because of Zion. Zion has played 29. Ingram has played 34. Uh, the numbers for the Lakers, it's 47 for LeBron, 44 for AD. Uh, and a lot of those, by the way, have been not together. Um, after that, you have a couple of other teams that have been banged up too. Certainly Phoenix, like Booker has played 44. Chris Paul has played 50. The Clippers are at 48 also. Uh, Kawhi, 41. Paul George, 55. And then you get down into like the 30s. So we can go through the rest of that later or bring it up in a different context. But I just think that 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 lack of those two as to setting the tone, setting the culture, setting the rotation, all that, plus not having that injection come in until the trade deadline when they had one game together, one, one game together with LeBron, AD, Russell um, and Beasley and Vanderbilt with the guys coming off the bench. (laughs) That is the that is the main answer. But it's also it doesn't do them any good. Right. To have to, like, so what? Now you've had enough games with this other set. This this group of guys has to bring it. But I'm just like relative to the rest of the NBA. It does not happen too often that you have something like that happen. And then you have a team just kind of figure it out anyway and go and rip off like an eight and two stretch to close the season. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but it, it's it's tough to do in the NBA. It, it is. It's a tall ask. And I'm glad that you brought the attention back there because it's something it doesn't make a, for great podcasting to say like, hey, you're you need LeBron and AD to, to really be the version of this team that we need them to be. So we don't try to belabor it over and over again. But that is absolutely the case. And so that said, though, Mike, that is like where we find ourselves. And Darvin's been talking about LeBron coming back. Hopefully that's something that happens sooner than later, you know, that, uh, but that is something that's on the horizon. And so figuring these things out, figuring out how to play alongside AD and figuring out how to, this team fits together. It's just the task that's ahead of us. It's what the position I always wanted to be in going into the playoffs. I wanted us to get to the seven game series portion where we have a team that has enough talent to have a chance. We weren't going to have the amount of continuity just based on the circumstances. But I would 
I want to see a team beat a healthy version of us four times. We may not get that, but that all of that is where this originates from. And whether it was the 21 team, last year's team was a hot mess in a number of other ways that made us just a disaster overall, but also this year's team, both versions without both of those guys were some version of a 500 team. And that's pretty much the case when that list that you put together, Mike, when those teams don't have those guys, they're all in about the same circumstance. And one of the most common things that you see in a regular season is a team not be all that focused. And then in the last five minutes of a close game, one of those stars will take over and deliver the win. Right. And so even if you play the exact same way for the vast majority of the game, but you have those guys to kind of close it out. But that said, Mike, we haven't been great in crunch time uh, for most of the season anyway. So anyhow, a lot of moving parts to it, but basically everybody's yeah. some version of a 500 team amongst those teams. I'm sure you have more info yeah, so, on that. Uh, so just looking list. on, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in the context of continuity for in what teams, how teams are playing now going into their last 10 games. And which one of those which of those teams really can impact how the Lakers end up finishing in the standings? Well, so the first one, let's just talk about OKC for a second. So OKC has been very healthy, uh, especially relative to in part of the reasons because they're young. Like they, they, they that's part of it. But Shea Gilgis Alexander has had a hard time mm-hmm. in previous years and especially last year staying on the floor. Well, he's played 60 of 71 games this year. And then you could argue about their second best player. Like, I I mean, man, Jalen Williams, the wing has really emerged, but it's probably Josh Giddy. He's played 66 games. Mm-hmm. So they've missed a total of 16. And so for the Lakers, 53, the Thunder, 16. And now going into this final stretch, OKC is pretty healthy. But, and this is where I, I was so confused by them because when they started resting Shea on back-to-backs and they were sort of teetering, they were in that 10-11 range, and they were close enough to get to basically where Portland's at now. Well, now they can't catch Portland, and they're still right in that kind of mix with a couple of other teams. And, and like, they're going for it now. Okay, so they're going for it. What, well, what does that mean? Well, they, oh, yeah. they also have some really winnable games coming up. They've got Detroit at home. They've got Charlotte at home. They've got Indiana on the road. And Indiana is, is kind of teetering themselves. Like, they, for a while, were making a chase. I think they're... They're sort of not as much as they're 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 already two and a half games back of the play-in, mm-hmm. and Halliburton is sitting some games, and then they've got at Portland on Sunday. Before that, they go Clippers on Thursday, so they play again tomorrow, and then Lakers on Friday. So, I think it's most likely that Shea plays again against the Clippers, and then doesn't play against the Lakers, and essentially loads up for Sunday. Because well, because they haven't they haven't played them in really? their last three or four back to backs. And I don't know why they would now, unless that would be the turning of the screw. If they said, hold on, we are going to play them, but the Lakers are in such a spot where OKC could, could think to themselves, well, like the Lakers have to win this game. They're going full bore. Shea could play and we could very well lose anyway. So why not sort of ensure his, his health Mm -hmm. a little bit more as we've been doing. And then, and then have him come in fresh against Portland and bank that win. So and I don't think there was any. There's any way they would sit him on the front end of that back-to-back against the Clippers when they can win that game. I I think we'd all be shocked if Paul George is able to play. Um, they do have the sort of like you just beat us right. energy that they could potentially use. But that's that to me is that's one team now that that we had circled a month ago as being a dropper that is no longer there. And if that's the case, then who else is going to drop off? to the point where the Lakers could get into a, that type of a spot, like a 7-8. Well, Minnesota's getting Towns back today, which, by the way, I don't know if that helps them. 
in terms of figuring stuff out. But, but I'm curious right. for your thought on that. Utah, I still like. I, I still think Utah is trying to go down. They just like can't like can't help winning a couple of these games. They have a brutal schedule, but yes. down the stretch, also like if you look at their final ten games or however many they have left, there there's only like two where you're and like, they yeah, they probably to, win and in that doing game. that. Like they can yeah. get to essentially fourth worst in the West still. Like I think they can go below the Lakers, below the Pelicans, sure. and then you know they're not gonna they're not gonna catch Indiana or the Wizards, but like they'll still that's still in like good lottery potential like you know, top 10 lottery pick type error. So mm-hmm. that's that's one team that's going down. I don't see New Orleans coming back up the other way. But to me, it's like, Pete, I'm I'm now thinking in the past, it was just getting into the play-in. To me, it's very important that the Lakers get into seven or eight. So that like the, the line before was kind of like, mm-hmm. just get, just give yourself a chance. Like when you're two and 10, you know, give yourself a chance to get to nine, 10. Now that they have enough together, it's, you know, how do you catch two out of the three of OKC, Dallas, Minnesota? Um, that's, and, and that's to do so you mentioned it, it's either seven and three or maybe even eight and two. And that's tough to do. And if you don't do that, then, then guess what? Then you're, then you're in that nine, 10 play in hell. Mike, one of the main stories of this season has been just the degree of self-sabotage that we've committed and the number of games that have been just run through the tape, just focus for another two minutes and and play hard like when we were when you were laughing at Darius and I in the second half of the Pelicans game one of the few blowouts we did had have um and about the level of angst that that we had we were up 40 in the third quarter we actually started the first couple minutes of the third pretty well and pushed up a 35 point lead up to 40 and I remember in that fourth quarter, D'Lo made that play where he got the he turned the ball over. It looked like it was going to be a kick ahead for a breakaway dunk. And he got an on ball deflection, made a really great play after a bad pass and got run over as he was deflecting it to draw fouls. We were in the bonus and it turned the lead from 11 points or it was going to be 11. It turned it from a 13 point lead to 15. So one of those four point swings that you'll have sometimes. And you texted that was a big or, and, and we were talking in the text thread like hey, that was a big swing play. My argument is that, yes, when a team is up by a ton that they're going to let their foot off the gas to a certain degree, but there should never be a big swing play in a game that you were up by 40 points in the third quarter. And so on top of just the, the normal ebbs and flows of a game, we have something about us. And this has been the case all year long that has a hard time of just kind of focusing for that long. So I look at the schedule, Mike, and I'm like, that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. But I also feel pretty confident that on a couple of those nights that, or, or maybe not. And I think that LeBron and I think, I think when LeBron returns is going to be super critical to this, Mike, because I think that there's a degree of leadership that's necessary right now to kind of rally the troops and wrangle everybody to be like, all right, this is the time that we need to step that up and be able to focus for that 10 straight games. And if we do, I actually feel decently good about our ability to go seven and three or eight and two. I just don't our, don't trust our, our uh, capacity yeah, to do that. Well, all right. I'm, I'm just looking at this, the 10 games here. And so if we're not, you can't count tonight's game, certainly because we'll have to have this conversation again tomorrow, basically. But that's even that game. Like if the Lakers take care of business with this battered down sun scene tonight, that's one thing. Then they still have this, this set, like the, the back-to-back with Chicago to me is not only tricky in the sense of they haven't seen Chicago yet. Mm. 
Uh, Caruso missed the last two, but you know, if he plays, there's always a little bit extra there um, as well. There should be, and he, he always plays hard. So like it's on it, but you got Beverly coming in with, with all of that, right. like that type of energy, which, you know, in a, which in a one-off context can help the team that he's on there, uh, which would be Chicago. Then you've got, you've got DeRozan and Levine who at any, and on any night, either one of them can go off. Like, I don't like Chicago as a team. Um, I, I thought that basically they ruined their team when they did the Vucevic trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they got a really bad defensive center who is not as efficient as you might think on offense. And they gave up two firsts and Wendell Carter Jr. for it. Like they, that they just haven't been able to climb out of that hole. And then of course, Lonzo's injury has just been awful. Like Lonzo was so key to that. Cause anyway, I'm talking about Chicago too much, but to have to, so to play a team at home and then have to go to their building, uh, you're, you're basically looking at a split. Um, most of the time it's it's I hate I hate that though man like at this point of the season too that they're not a very good team and they they don't have anybody for Anthony Davis like just no, simply can, on the no, virtue have, of that they fact, have they don't but right neither there, have several of the last other, other teams and the Bulls they have won three in a row uh they have won six of ten they are in the play-in mix like they're not bad uh and and they're like they're not a team that the Lakers are sure. good enough to just assume that they're going to beat back to back uh one on the one in home one on the road so that's yeah. So that's just no my, my like my look at that one is is sort of like split. And then at Minnesota, um, who plays well, especially in their building against this Laker team, and you've got you've got Russell. Like they've got the extra motivation of having Russell come back and Beasley and Vanderbilt. I just don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in with this whole Gobert Towns. Uh, what's that rotation going to be like? And and that to me is a little messy. Edwards' mm-hmm. ankle. When is he back? But still, like that's a difficult game. Um, almost no matter which way you put it, then they go back to Houston. And, you know, that's one of those where I think that can favor the Lakers, especially with Anthony Davis playing, which he didn't play last time. We already talked about Utah. What what shape are the Clippers going to be in on April 5th? Is that a game that they need? Um, is is Paul George out? Is that is that a game where they're going to be in the four or five no matter what? Um, and then same thing with is Kevin Durant. Um, actually back and playing by April 7th in that game. There's just, there are so many questions, Pete, that it's, I, I guess my point is it's impossible yeah. to predict like what, like what the number, and not, not that you're trying to, but like what the Lakers are going to do in this one. No, no, and no. It's, it's where you get back into this of what you hear from a head coach is tonight's game urgency that has to be there for it, which is the case. I'm yeah. just, uh, I'm, I'm man going seven and three. It's going to be tough, and and it's uh, it's certainly possible, but the it, it does not it is not possible without a win for the Lakers against the Suns uh, on Wednesday evening. Yeah, it'd be very tough without one uh, without that for sure. And as you were listing all of the questions, you know, with KD and Paul George, and the Dallas has these questions as well, Minnesota. It just speaks to the level of opportunity that we that we have. It doesn't mean that we're going to seize that that opportunity, but I think that all of that happening at the same time, like I just feel like the basketball gods have put it out there for us to grab. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get there and and go out and seize it, but very few times are you presented with this sort of shakiness this deep into a season with this many teams in your conference, and it would just be such a shame if we can't lock in to be able to to seize that opportunity. So uh, we're going to end it early here. We'll be back tomorrow to uh, possibly tonight. We'll see if we record tonight. Um, We'll be back tomorrow to discuss how tonight's game went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Bryant! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.